Father, right now, we thank you so much again for being in our presence. Just draw us to the Father's heart. Holy Spirit, again, come. God, if there's anything in us that is just pushing you out, God, we repent of that in the name of Jesus. And we give you our hearts this morning. Just quicken us. Draw us near you. May we attach ourselves to the Father's heart this morning. We love you, God. Thank you so much for bringing us godly men and women to minister to us when we need it. Thank you for new friends. Thank you for apostles. Thank you for prophets. Thank you for men and women of God that breathe life into the body of Christ. And we ask for more of that. Amen. Amen. My new best friend, Brian. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you so much, Pastor. <laughs> oh, man, what a privilege for us to be here this morning. Thank you guys for having us. How many of you have no idea who I am? Okay, awesome, perfect. That's how I like it. Um, you know, my beautiful wife, everybody say hi to, to Diane. She's my amazing wife of 20 years, 20 years of marriage. We've now known each other longer than we haven't. And seven kids later, she's an amazing woman of God and an amazing, she's, she's learned how to walk with forgiveness in living with me. And uh, she's amazing with that. But let, let's do this. Let's, can we just jump right into the Word of God? You guys cool with that? I'll go over to John chapter 15. Um, we're going to go a couple places, and then we're going to go over to Luke chapter 5. Uh, my wife and I, on the same night, we had the privilege to be born again the same night in 1996. And, and w when that happened, when we met Jesus, I was brought up with no spiritual background, and we ended up at a Bible study really out of desperation. Uh, I, I, my life before Christ was an absolute radical mess. Anybody relate to that? Okay, and so we ended up at this Bible study, and, and there was an evangelist there preaching. And we encountered the love of Christ for the very first time, like, like a real authentic love that didn't require any performance, because my performance was, was pathetic in the spiritual realm. And we encountered the Lord. I, I went up, was broken. We cried out to the Lord, prayed through a prayer. I, again, I had no spiritual context, no language for anything. I went up to the guy after, and I just, I was crying, and he told me to pray. And I think I kind of looked at him a little bit mean and said, you pray. You know, you're the, you're the professional here. And, and he just said, pray. And I, my, my cry in my heart was, was, Lord, make this so real that I don't go back. Like, this has to be real. This has to be powerful. If this doesn't work, I don't want to walk out that door. And I, I, it's the same prayer that, that I try to have every day. It's the same hunger. Are you guys hungry for something more? Some of you are looking at me funny. Maybe you're just, hung are you hungry? <laughs> but there's something in us that knows there's, there's more. Here I was in the middle of a professional football career. I played in the NFL with the Jacksonville Jaguars for several years, and, and I had everything, but yet I possessed nothing. That's a, that's a hard place to be in. And Jesus was a master at, at looking, drafting, if you will. I'm gonna, who here has football in their, their background, or at least knows a little bit about football? Likes football? Okay. All right, because I'm going to use some football stuff, if you guys are okay with that. Um, Jesus had to wait to, to draft people, if you will, choose people based off potential, not their current existence. And so my hope is that, 
I feel like the Lord sees potential on you guys, that he's, he's choosing you to, to go into a dimension maybe you've never gone into, but it's an invitation. It's not just a command. There's a difference. Uh, I had the privilege of, of sitting in 1995 in a one-bedroom apartment with my wife before cell phones existed, and I was waiting on draft day in the NFL. And draft day is a, a crazy day because your destiny is in the hands of, of a team. And we were waiting and waiting. My projection, I came from a tiny little school in South Dakota. Anybody know where South Dakota is? Um, tiny little dairy farm. And, and we, weren't, we weren't following the Lord, but the Lord was chasing after us. And, and he used everything in the natural to get us to a place where we, were, we recognized our desperation even though we had everything of the world and it wasn't satisfying anything in us. And so we're waiting on that call. And, and I, I'm assuming no one else has gone through the NFL draft experience in here. Okay, so let me just tell you, it's a, it's a day of torment because there's something inside of you that, that you've visited with teams, you've trained, you've done everything you could to make an impression, but you're still waiting on a call. And, and when I was waiting, I was projected to go either late first round or I could have gone in the fourth round. And so I waited through the first round and, and I knew probably I wouldn't go. And then the second round hit and we started to get little calls from our agent going, certain teams are starting to show interest, da 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 So expectation and expectancy is being stirred in our heart. It's going to be soon. It's going to be soon. Well, it gets through the middle part of the second round all the way to the latter part of the second round. Still no call. We had ESPN on. We're trying to watch and see this call. In frustration, I went in and I took a shower and I, was, I, was, I knew I was going to the second day. That's a big deal in draft terms, like going on the first day is a big deal. And I was, I'd resigned myself, I'm gonna go on the second day. Well, as soon as I came out of the, the bathroom, the phone rang. And in one moment of time, when I, when, when I picked up that phone and Coach Tom Coughlin was on the other, other side of the call, who's now the head coach of the New York Giants, he was the GM of the Jaguars and the head coach, and he goes, are you ready to be our middle linebacker? That, I, I, I can only attempt to describe what one call from somebody that holds authority and destiny over your life, one call can change everything. Now, can you imagine if I hesitated and said, let me think about this? <laughs> See, when the call comes... When it comes from heaven, when it comes from Jesus, I feel like I'm supposed to remind you of who's choosing who here. Like, who's actually doing the choosing here? This isn't a kickball game where we're choosing sides. How many of you have ever been in those games, you know, those little sports in grade school where you chose two captains? They were usually the biggest guys. I was usually a captain because you, you scared everybody. And then that captain would look at natural stuff and pick people out. And then you'd get to that one last kid, the scrub. And, and when you recognize who's on the other side of this calling, this choosing, it should produce something inside of us that doesn't hesitate because of the reality of who it is is calling us.
it forced us to ditch everything in our lives. It forced, it, that one call made us get on an airplane and go to a city we never had been to. That one call said, leave behind your cruddy furniture and enter into another realm, another dimension. Do you know what I'm talking about? The call itself from who it was made from did, forced us to act. It pulled us out of what was normal. It pulled us out of what was, I went from being a small college football player to now an NFL second round draft pick. Out of all the other thousands of athletes that year, he took me number 64. And we devalue the call from heaven. I feel like I'm supposed to remind you of the value of who's calling you. And who's actually doing the choosing here? We're talking the king of the universe. This is no joke. Like you even being, I don't think this is like casual. This is serious. He brought you here for a reason. He called you into the kingdom for a purpose and a reason that goes beyond just normal. Okay, John 15, let's look at that. Go to verse 13. Uh, there's a lot in John 15. And, and so he goes, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father, I've made known to you. So when Jesus came, he came on behalf of the Father to not just represent, but to display. When you see me, Jesus said, you see the Father. This is about a father trying to rescue the orphan planet, right? He's on a rescue mission. And his desire is to seek and to save all that is lost, right? There's no scrub. There's no scrub in this room. I'm, I'm just telling you, and the church is not the underdog. We're not Rudy. The church is not the underdog. David, when he stepped on the battlefield, he was the giant. Every time I fly, when we ascend, the water bottle, a half-drank water bottle does what? It expands. It's only when we descend does this thing get crushed. I feel like God's calling us to train at higher altitude. And stop descending into stuff that, that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> and then he says in verse 16, you did not what? Choose me, but I chose you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask, in my, to ask my father in my name, he will do. You know what the key to answered prayer is, right? Is he's listening. It's who's actually listening. It's the one who chose you. Now, go over to Luke 5. You guys okay? You sure? Okay. Now, let, let me just say this. There's a difference between what is true in your life right now and what is the truth. What might be true in circumstance might not be the truth of heaven. Yeah? 
John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said, you're my disciples as you abide in my word. And as you abide in my word, you will know the truth and the knowledge of that truth will set you free. Heaven has a truth over your life that might not be true in your life right now. And so we're going to look at a passage where these, these individuals, these fishermen, had a, a certain reality. They had been trained in the ways of normal. They'd, actually, they got trained in the ways of what's possible. 90% of what goes on in a church service can be done without Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not empowering you to set up chairs. Right? There's just a reality that Jesus is trying to draft these guys on what he sees over their lives, what the Father sees over them. And so he's going to risk a lot to take on a, a project, a group of folks, and he's training them out of normal, and he's training them out of what's possible. And he's training them into what's impossible. Because humanity needs to see something that can't be accomplished with human effort. My wife and I, we, we've experienced as pastors, we've, we know what it's, well, let's just read here first. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Jesus has a way of choosing the right boat, doesn't he? This church, this group of people, corporately, I believe personally that Jesus has decided to choose you guys for a move of his spirit. Do you guys believe that? That goes beyond normal, charismatic Christianity. He's chosen this boat. Of all the other boats... He said, there seems to be a hungry pastor there. And his wife's hungry too. And he's got some friends that are hungry. And there's a historical part of the church that was hungry. Like hunger hasn't left the building, it's here. And so sometimes we, take, we, we, we leave the boat and we go wash our nets, that's, that's okay. But now's the time where he's choosing you guys to, to move upon and move with. What a privilege. Like when he does that, it's a privilege. It's not something to be, now it's freaky. It, it stretches things. But the reality is Jesus later in Luke 5 talked about there's a new wine and he said, the, the new wine has to be put in a new wineskins because back then the wineskin would, would be poured into and the wine would still ferment and so it would expand to maximum capacity. And then if you try to take this old wineskin and pour new wine in that's going to expand, it's going to blow the old thing up. So what he wants to do is like help you guys with a wineskin that, that is able to stretch to the capacity that he wants to pour in. How many of us saying, we want more, we want more? Right? We were singing that this morning. Do you, I want that. 
When I heard that, that was heaven exploding inside. Yes, Lord, I want more, I want more, I want more. It, 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 and I, I'm assuming most of us felt that. Who here felt that this morning? And if you didn't feel that, it's okay. It's an invitation. It's not a command, you gotta feel that. You better have that or you're not serving Jesus good enough or radical enough. I mean, give me a break. I was crippled spiritually when he saved me. Okay, so if he loved me while I was his enemy, I'm assuming he loves me a lot as his son. So how much more now that you're a son or a da- his, your, his daughter that he's for you? I love my daughter, but I've never counted every hair on her head. And he knows every hair in everybody's head in this room this morning. And some of you, it's an easier count than others. Um, but anyway, uh, getting into the boat, which was Simon's. Now, I wonder if he knew whose boat that was. Because there was something of Simon that was hungry. He just didn't know what he was hungry for. The woman at the well was thirsty for something, and she didn't know what she was really thirsty for until she met the living water. And some of you are hungry for the real thing, and his name is Jesus. And everything contained in him is available to you. Got into the boat, he asked him to put out a little from the land. Now here's what I want to say. I lived for years as a pastor, pushed out, what I thought was risk was just a little bit from the land. Totally safe. And he totally loved me through it. Wasn't mad at me for like my, my unbelief and going deeper. But he chose me so he owned the rights to my life. Yeah? Eventually, he will exercise his authority and, and force us to go out a little bit deeper. But it's still a choice. That's how much he loves us. Remember Darren Wilson? He, 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 how many of you have heard of Darren Wilson? He made, okay, like two of you, three of you. Anyway, I'll just say this. He's a guy, he makes films, and he's a great, great guy. He, he made the point, he's like, there's no such thing as love without the chance or opportunity of rejection. Like, how could it be real love if you don't have a choice to reject it? And so Peter's got this opportunity. Jesus is in his boat. And it's one thing to have Jesus in your boat boat teaching. That's healthy. I want Jesus in the boat here this morning teaching you. I'm assuming you want that too. It's one thing to have him teach and release the revelation that's needed. And it's another thing when he then finishes teaching and says, all right, guys, now I want you guys to go out into the deep. Write this down if you're taking notes. The safest place you could be right now is in risk. The riskiest place you could be right now is close to the land. Like in the natural, the closer you are to shore, the safer. But in the spiritual, the further out you are, the safer you are. We now live by the ocean. We moved from Colorado. We weren't really mountain people. I'm not built for climbing mountains. I'm I'm built to float. (laughs) 
But there's a difference between wading out into ankle-deep water and going out into waist-deep water. If you understand the kingdom, Ezekiel said, the further you get from this boat, the deeper the water should be. Like the closer you are to this boat is actually safe. This is shallow, if I could use the terminology, it, sh- it can be shallow water. It's, it represents safety, normal, what's possible. And then he goes, all right, guys. It's a whole other thing when Jesus takes over the boat and says, I'm going to take you somewhere deep. Years, I would say, Jesus Christ is the pastor of our church because I was close to the shore. And then when he said, I want you to go deep, and he took over the boat and took us deep, and some crazy stuff started happening that we couldn't manufacture, that was when I knew I was in trouble because I lost control. Addictions are about control. Marital issues are about control. Church issues are about control. And, and one thing to have Jesus preach in your boat is another thing when he takes over your boat and requires you to go deep. Now, Peter legitimately could have said no. Okay, look at what he does. And this is the proper response. This is what I want to invite you into is just a proper response. That's it. And when he finished speaking, verse 4, he said to Simon, put out into the what? The deep. And let down your nets for a catch. Now, he's basically taking over as captain of Peter's boat. But there was something in Peter, I really believe this, I don't think he's being rebellious at all, there's something in Peter in his response that every person usually battles with when God requires us to go deeper. He said, Master, we toiled all night, took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. There's that dilemma every time there's a call for healing. There's that moment if you've got physiological issues in your body. There's that moment of fear and unbelief that rises up. And the fear of it not happening causes us to stay close to the shore. Right? How, how tormenting to carry sickness for years and years. And then some guy rolls into town like me and does a call. Let's pray for the sick. This is what I see. God, and he starts calling out stuff, which I love to do. And when God speaks words of knowledge and does those types of things, what he's doing is inviting you into the deep. And what he's after is not just the healing. He's after your soul. He's after your mind, your will, and your... He's setting you up for what's down the road. He's setting you up for greater fishing. He, 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 it's not just about getting healed. It's about the relationship. Will you trust me? No matter what the result is, will you, tr- will you still take a risk? And here's what he wants to he was get Peter was dealing with. The fear of the catch not happening because of past failure was overwhelming the hope of what could happen. And that's what the enemies tried to steal from the church, the hope of what, what if he did heal? What if he did restore our marriage? What if he did bring our kids back, the prodigals back? What if, see, but there's that tension, isn't there? 
My theory is just go all in and see what happens. In baseball, I did chapel work with the Major League Baseball in Colorado. And, and you're, you're a, if you're a career 300 hitter, which means you fail two out of three times, you're a Hall of Famer. And yet in the natural, when we take out and step risk and we fail, we retreat. This isn't about failure or success. This is about relationship. This is about him training us out of normal in what's status quo. It's one thing to bring him in and preach. It's another thing when he starts stepping in your boat and stepping on your toes while he's in the boat. It disrupts peace. It disrupts status quo. It disrupts things. What you guys are going through right now is a disruption of normal. Because if normal was what he had and aimed for, he wouldn't mess with you. But if he has a different aim and he's messing with you, I hope he's just messing with you. It's what a good dad does. I'm always messing with my kids, training them into risk. My wife, I remember her throwing our daughters in the pool when they were young to get them to learn how to swim. She's like, I'm doing parenting, no one will come now. Listen. The problem is those kids didn't know any different. You throw them in and they have to swim. But an adult, you throw them in, they drown if they can't swim. Because they know too much. God just wants to throw you in. And that's when you don't turn off your brains, but you got to put it in its rightful place. This doesn't make any sense. They go out. He says, at your word, here's the proper response. At your word, I'll just do it. What do you got to lose? If your life sucks, I'm sorry, can I say that? I apologize. If you're in a situation that stinks and what you're doing hasn't worked, what do you have to lose in stepping out into something deeper? Because there's a difference when you're up to your neck in water. You can't control. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. And their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they all began to sink. Simon saw it, fell down, repented, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. The kindness of God leads to repentance. <laughs> He's overwhelmed by the goodness of the Lord. They got their dream catch. If we step out, the hope of stepping out in the dream catch, it's like when I play golf, all it takes is one good shot for me to go back out. There's something about the hope of that one dream catch that keeps me swinging for the fence. Their nets started breaking. Their boats started sinking. And then can you imagine, here? look at what happens. 
He said, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything. When you play it safe and get a catch, you take credit for it. And you don't leave it behind. You use it for self. But when you go deep and there's no way you could have done it in the natural and you get a catch, you just give it away. (laughs) We're stingy when we can do it in our own strength. But we're liberal in our giving when we, we got stuff that we couldn't manufacture. Proverbs 20, verse 5, turn there and then we'll pray for you. If, if I'm with Jesus, I start doubting his leadership when he keeps sending me in a boat. Because every time we seem to go out on it, there's a storm. Right? Logically? Come on now. Guys, get in the boat. Let's go on a little boat ride. And as soon as they get out in the deep water, what happens? Storms. See, when you're close to shore and a storm hits, what can you do? Bail and run for cover. When you're in the deep and a storm hits, what do you have to do? Either A, if Jesus is in the boat with you, you blame him, (laughs) like they did. Don't you care about us? Or if he's not in the boat and he starts walking on the water to catch up to you, you'll call him a demon. Remember that? Jesus is walking on the water. What'd they say? It's Satan. And that's what happens with the move of God. Either we blame Jesus for a lot of stuff or we call him Satan. And what I feel like I'm just supposed to do for you guys is bring you to a point of just going, like not hesitating at the call. Because here's what he's doing. Proverbs 20 verse five says, the purpose in a man's heart is like what? Deep water. But a man of what? Understanding will draw it out. You want to know why Jesus sent him out into the deep and storms would arise? Because it was the only way he could pull up what actually was on the inside of them. Your purpose is directly linked to deep water. How many want to know the purpose of God in your life? You won't get it close to shore. I know. I tried staying as close to shore as possible as a charismatic pastor. And then he started moving in ways I couldn't explain. And it required us to go deeper with him. And that's the invitation. Will you go deeper with me? And will you risk Many are called. Remember that scripture? But few are. Right? Many get invited into this supernatural move of God stuff because it's actually supposed to be normal. You do realize that miracles are supposed to be a normal process in the Christian experience, not something for a superstar. They're just supposed to follow the gospel. 
Here's the gospel. I risked everything for you. I took your place. I loved you even though you didn't love you. I loved you through all your mistakes, took the wrath of God for you, took all of your punishment, took all of it for you, and took your sin. So all the junk you're holding on to is actually mine, so why don't you just give it back? And then I buried it. And then I was raised from the dead, and I've given you the power of a hope, a hope of a new life. And I loved you when you were my enemy. How much more I love you now. So when the one who loves you calls you out in the deep, I'm not saying you're not going to have hesitation because I know you will. I'm just saying at some point go, nevertheless, you said it, I'm going to do it. I feel like I'm just supposed to position you with one simple thing, to respond correctly and just say yes. If you don't say yes, it just means a little bit more time of him messing with you. It's just better to say yes. Let's stand to our feet. I want to pray for you. You guys with me? Every eye opened, every head up. Who here's battling with unbelief? I want you to lift your hands. You're battling with this divine tension I spoke of. The, the thought of something not happening is as strong as anything in your life. Lift your hands way up, to, way up to heaven. That's shocking me. So all of you are willing. Okay, I'll say it like this. Who's been afraid to go deep? Okay, that's what I really meant. All right, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. All right, look at each other right now and say, stop freaking out. <laughs> no, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. And, and just, just seriously, go, I'm in the boat with you. Look at him right now and say, I'm here with you. We, if we multiplied all of us fearful ones together, there's got to be courage there somewhere. There just has to be. <laughs> see, there's no, see, fear is beautiful. You want to know why? Because you don't need courage without the presence of fear. Fear gives you, the power, gives you an opportunity to express courage. Let's do spiritual jujitsu this morning. Let's use the enemy's momentum against him and kick him in the face. So all of you that are afraid to go deep, keep your hands up. You're going to kick the enemy in the face. Now, the same people, I'm asking you, you're, you're afraid to go deep. How many of you want to go deep, though? Lift your other hand up. Now, get out of your seat and just take like a step forward. Don't, you don't even all need to feel. Just do something in you that just says, I'm going to take a step forward. Cross over into something. There's a difference between one side of the Jordan River when you were the Israelites and actually stepping your foot in the water and seeing it dry up. What if this was a prophetic act of going, I'm, tip, I'm going to just, even if I'm just dipping my toe, Jesus will take that. So, Father, right now, here we are as a group of hungry risk takers. You maybe have never seen yourself as a risk taker, but the Lord's labeling you, relabeling you, repackaging you as a bunch of humble, radical risk takers. We take a step forward into the unknown, into the deep. And we're not going to settle and just say, I give you permission to mess with me. I give you permission to pull up the purpose. You're a man of understanding, Jesus. So when you take me out in the deep water, you're actually pulling up purpose because my purpose is directly related to the depth of the water. And so when you tell me to go out in the deep, I'm just going to go out in the deep. That's when disease gets kicked around. That's when demonic spirits leave.
that's when marriages get healed. I'm telling you, that's when children come back home. That, you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's the realization of who's called us and who's calling us to go deeper. So, Father, right now, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I believe there's something you can do corporately right now. Break off the barriers of normal, the barriers of safe. Break us out of safety nets and break our nets if need be. And then, Lord, we just want to give it away. Who here says yes? yes. Lift all, both hands up to heaven. I say yes. Just tell him, I say yes. I'm all in. Make it so real I don't go back. Make it so real I don't go back. Just tell him, make it so real I can't go back into normal. And I, I don't want to stay close to the shore. It's boring. I want to be rescued if need be. <laughs> Guys, bring pastor back here. And I know there's baptisms after the second service. I, I just want to say this. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, lift your hand for me right now. You're here and you're saying, I don't have this thing you're talking about with Jesus. Just lift your hands. Anybody? Okay. Father, seal this word. Let us be like Peter when you call us out on the water that we're willing to step out. I've said this. It's better to step out and have to be rescued by Jesus than to stay in the boat. You need to know what it's like to have to be rescued in water that's deeper than your ankle. Look at your neighbor and say, yes, that's true. All right, Pastor. Thank you, Brian. Let's give him a hand. All right, not bad, huh? Uh, when Jake says, hey, I got a friend, I think he should speak on Sunday, I'm like, ah, oh, he better be good, Jake. All right. Uh, if I can have the ushers come to the front, we're going to receive the offering and uh, send you on your way. We do have a baptism after second service. I want to encourage you guys to come back. We celebrate baptisms. They're a big, wild party. So I want to encourage you guys to come back, maybe grab a bite or some coffee and come back for a baptism. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for people with a Father's heart that can draw things out of us. God, your, your gift to the church is gifted people, and we thank you so much that we received a gifted person and an anointed message, something that was just perfect for our body this morning, and we receive your word into our hearts, and may we leave changed today. God, may it not be another meeting, may we leave changed. May we take it out of this room, God. May we, when at lunchtime, just, may we just remind us of the word that was spoken and how it resonated in our hearts and what it means to the people that are sitting across the table from us and the people that are serving us. What does it mean for them, the word that you've given us? So may every part of our lives, not just our internal life, but our external life, may it be transformed today. Transform this church transform this city, transform this region. And as a church body, we are in the boat. Thank you so much for choosing us. Yeah. 
this invitation, this beautiful, handwritten, mailed invitation, God. We're going to open it up and we're going to go. We're going to get in, God. Thank you so much. Let's receive our sacrifice this morning. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.